got something on your birthday. You was excited, amen. It was your birthday. You know, someone told you they got a great gift for you, amen, and they bring that gift to you. It's not what you expected, not even what you wanted. And you was disappointed. You were not satisfied with it, amen, and you was hoping they gave you the gift receipt. Huh? Because <laughs> you were, you were, or Christmas, same thing. You know how you get a, 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 the guest receipt for Christmas just in case it's the wrong size? You know, uh, just in case it's something that they don't like. And just, you know, you get that wedding gift with the receipt just in case they get, yeah, five of them. You know, so sometimes we, we even when we receive stuff in this life, it's not what we want. It doesn't satisfy us, amen. So, so we begin to look for something else. Because most of us have in our mind what we would like to have. Amen. How many of y'all got a new cell phone this year? I see a few hands popping up here and there. Even Dovey got her hand up. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> you know, and, and even even the advertisers, you know, and marketers know that we're looking for the latest and the greatest thing, amen. And you know, and who got an iPhone in here? Which one you got? You got the five C. Which one you got? Six? Anybody still got the four? You got the four? Anybody got the one? Huh? <laughs> and you satisfied for now. <laughs> but see, do you think it's going to stop at six? Well, they only got the 6S, amen, and the iPhone Air and the Air 2 and, you know, the iPad. I mean, next, they always come up with something else, and they're going to add just one or two more features, and now you're no longer satisfied with your new old thing. I said, I said, what's your old new thing? And it's all we, we always looking for the next step and the next level in something. Why? You know, if you get a new car, it ain't new next year. And when you see the new model roll out, you say, whoa. I mean, we were riding down the road yesterday, and I guess Pastor Fred never, never really wrecked. I was pointing out this Tesla to him. I said, notice, it ain't got no tailpipes. No tailpipes. What's wrong with that car? Nothing. It's 100% electric. It never goes to the gas station, never needs oil, never needs water. Amen. None of that. Just go on up there. You plug it in, get up and go in the morning. Huh? It's like, wow. <laughs> you know, I told him, I said, they got a few running around here. Every now and then there's one parked right next door at the barbecue joint. You know? I mean, so, I mean, it's a, but then you look at that and say, well, I'm tired of this gas guzzler. I need me a Tesla. Huh? See, there's always something else being presented to us in this life. Amen. And after a while, amen, you might hold on to that cell phone, that iPhone 4 for a while. But down the road, it's going to get tired. It's going to get warm. I've had my phone now for two years. And, you know, it's slowing down. You know, and so i got a problem. My cell phone is getting slow. The, the Internet connection and the Texting is getting slow on my phone, so I guess I need a new phone. Right? I remember when, you know, about 15 years ago or so, I ain't had no phone. I had the home phone. When you go back a little bit further than that, we used the dial tone. Amen. You know? And how many of y'all remember the dial? I mean, the dial. The, the, some, some of y'all never used a dial phone. It's always been, you know, yeah, the rotary, man. You can, t you can count the clicks and know what number they're calling. Uh, you didn't have to be there. <laughs> you know, it's like, 
but technology is moving us up and up. I believe mom going all the way back when they had party lines. Now, some of y'all don't know what a party line is. That's when they had a whole bunch of households on the same line. You had to wait your turn or somebody cut in on you, pick up their phone, and they cut in right on your phone conversation. That's a party line. You didn't take, say too many private things on the party line. Huh? So we, we've progressed forward, and, and the, problem, the thing is, we're never really, really, really satisfied. You tell the truth about it. Amen? Because after a while, something new going to come out. Something else. Something going to disappoint you. Something going to let you down. Amen? You know, so there's got to be something that satisfies completely. Amen. So we we gonna we gonna do, let's, let's just look at that. Amen. Even you know I think about you know everybody standing in line waiting for the new Madden game to come out. What are they up to now? Fifteen. The latest and greatest, the best. You know the new game consoles. You know the the PS3 wasn't good enough. Now there's four, five. They're just gonna keep on going. Everything is progressing forward more. And more and more, you know, you was happy about the flat screen TV, you know, the big one, but then they came out with the 3D one, no, the HD one, so you had to get the HD TV, you know, the, you know, the full 1080p, you know, and, and you didn't even get a 1080p signal, but you had to have the 1080p phone, you know, TV. You, you weren't even able to get a high-definition signal yet, but you had to get the high-definition TV. And now you get the 3D TV. And now they've moved to where now you got the 3D TV that you don't even need the glasses. Really? <laughs> it's just progressing more and more. And more. what am I doing? I'm helping us to see, amen, our perspective on satisfaction is based on what we have the latest and the greatest. And what we need to realize is that's always going to change because what's new today is going to be old tomorrow. Was 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 everybody is trying to get today in a few years gonna be in the thrift store? Amen. Uh, amen. It, it's gonna be buy, sell, trade. I'm done with it. You know, you know, you you can get it online. I mean, for for little or nothing. Why? Because it's not it's not satisfying no more. So what you paid high dollar for, just wait around. It'll end up in the thrift store or it'll end up in the in the landfill. Amen. And you'll be looking for something else. Amen. So I'm going to tell you, what is, what is satisfaction? Anyway, to satisfy, to make true, to be fulfilling, to fulfill a condition. Amen. And see, I like that because that, there's a lot of definition about satisfaction. Amen. But to fulfill a condition, think about that. There's a condition in us, amen, that needs to be satisfied. And all these gadgets and all these things will never satisfy us in those areas. Amen. Satisfaction, true satisfaction. It comes from the result of seeking Jesus first in everything we do. That's where real satisfaction comes from. It's putting him first in everything that we do. Then we'll find real satisfaction. Making him number one in our lives. Making him the thing that drives us and motivates us and moves us. Amen. Because if we're motivated, motivated by all these other things, our motivations change, don't they? Amen. Wanting to have the greatest thing. You know, so let, let's get back to the story in Kings. And I'll just do a recap real quick. Amen. The children of Israel, he, the Lord brought them out 
set them up, amen, and, you know, blessed them, and they turned their back on them. Amen. And, and under King Ahab, amen, they, they begin to serve other gods. Amen. And they begin to take Balaam, amen, as their God, and Asheroth as their God. And, you know, and this is why, as we saw last week, that the Lord, in, in the 18th chapter, I mean the 17th chapter, you know, Elijah came and said, there ain't going to be no more rain until I say otherwise. You can look at 17, the first, first couple of verses, he let them know, there ain't going to be no more rain until I say otherwise, because the Lord has instructed him, amen, I'm going to deal with these people. Because the Lord was upset because he was no longer number one. Amen. He might have been at best number three because Baal and Asherah, amen, that's who they were serving. So God has just kind of been pushed to the side, amen. We got other priorities right now. We're, we're worshiping these, these, these pagan gods right now. We're talking about his people. Turn this back. We're not talking about, you know, heathens. But his people turned it back because they're serving, you know, what they desired to be satisfied by. So God sent the prophet, amen, Elijah, and he said, the heavens are going to be shut up. You know, so then we picked it up, amen, in the 18th chapter, amen, and three years into this drought, and we found out that there had been no rain for three full years, amen, and being an agricultural country and community, I mean, they, they were devastated by this time. Crops are dried up, amen, you know, they they, they in, in dire straits. We read the the passage in the third round, the fifth and sixth verse, amen, where they said, you know, go into the hills and go and see if we can, you can find water so we can, you know, we can feed our, we can give our animals some water so we don't have to kill them. Because it was that bad. Things were rough on them. Amen. So let's go back to the 18th chapter again. It's all because they let God slip from number one position. Hallelujah. Lord was not happy. So we're going to start at the 20th verse. First Kings 18 and 20. It says, So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. You know, because remember, Elijah challenged them. He said, bring them all up here. We're going to have a showdown. We're going to have a fight, you know. So he said, bring them to Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, how long will thou halt, you know, be stagnant, be stopped? How long will you be halt between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. Now look at this verse, this, this, this last sentence here. It says, and the people answered him, not a word. Now, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I can just imagine Elijah, man, he's standing there. He's giving them a choice. He's giving them an option. If, if, if Baal be God, serve him. But if the Lord, then follow him. And the people didn't have nothing to say. They're sitting there thinking about it. What's to think about? You're in a drought. You've been following Baal for three years, longer than three years, but over the last three years, he hasn't brought you no water. He hasn't changed the situation. He ain't been able to do nothing, and you're given the opportunity to make a choice, decision today. Last time you heard from me, I turned off the water. Now, if the city shows up your, at your door, 
three months later and said, make a choice, what you going to say? Well, I don't know if I want to listen to you. He might be there today to turn your water on. So he's telling them, make a decision, but they didn't answer a word. They were still undecisive. How many of y'all like indecisive people? You know, I'm the kind of person, my wife will verify, amen, that I'm the kind of person I really dislike. I won't use the word hate, but I really dislike going to, you know, fast food drive throughs with a car full of people. I don't know, maybe I'm the only one. Especially if I'm behind the wheel. It grates my nerves. Cars behind you. The little girl, the guy on the, can I help you please? Hold on. What y'all want? I don't know what they got. I can't see. They ask them if they got any specials. You know. I don't like being the middle man. And she don't. I mean, like, I would rather park and everybody go inside. Huh? Than to go through the drive because, you know, it, it, I'm like, make a decision already. It's only food. It's basically the same stuff they had last time you was here. Just decide. Give me a number five, whatever it is. You know, just, just throw a number out there. Once you eat it, it ain't going to make no difference anyway. You know, but so so I can imagine as he's standing there, he's waiting for them to make a decision like, hello, is it is it that big a choice? God, the living God, amen, that wants to bless you, the one that delivered you out, who you turned your back on, is making you an offer today. And you got these other gods and all these 450 plus another 400 prophets and you still ain't got nothing in three years of drought. Hello. Does that sound like a hard decision? No. But they ain't had a word to say. You know, so mm. you basically tell them, come on, y'all. The family could be over. You just make a decision. You know, you can get out of this situation, man, if you just choose God. How many situations have we been in there? All we had to do was choose God. I mean, even now, if you just choose God, if you just decide to put him first, to say, God, I'm going to make, I know I messed up. I know I backpedaled. I know I, I looked over here. I went over there. I did this. and I, But today, I'm just going to choose you. So if he be God, serve him. If the world, then go and serve the world. But just, just, don't, just, just make a choice. Amen? But he looked at them, amen, in spite of all God's protection and blessings and, and provision and all those things being just sitting right, right before him, they were still undecided. And, you know, so... It, it don't take that long to make a choice. You know, and when it comes to, you know, our finances, it's the same thing. We can be struggling and we can be, you know, going through all kinds of stuff and still not make the choice to say, God, I'm going to put you first in this area. You know, I've been financially struggling and going through this drought, amen, but if I just say, God, let me put you first. Let me put you in the right place, amen. And watch what happens when you do that. You just trust him. You know, in, in Malachi, he tells us to, to prove him. Just, you know, in one major place in Scripture, amen, he says, test me, prove me, and see won't I. I mean, God don't have to do that. I mean, just see, see won't I. Oh, my goodness. 
you know, there's a few reasons I, I want to touch on here that, that we may still be indecisive in that area. Amen? Not fully committed in that area to bring our tithe and our offering, amen, to, to be a blessing in the kingdom. Amen? And the number one reason, amen, is lack of trust. Huh? Lack of trust. Do you really trust God to provide if you do what he tells you to do? Do you really trust God in the area, amen, of your money? You know, we, we've always seen, we've all heard and seen and, and maybe even dealt with shady individuals. Amen. I remember who was, uh, um, Brother Joy was last week saying how he used to be a shady person. <laughs> Real shady. Way is it, man? Joey was shady. Jelly, Jelly knew he was shady, too. <laughs> you know, but but look what God did. He turned it completely around. But, you know, we, we've all dealt with shady people, so and, and we've been burned. Amen. Even in church. Amen. So, so to, to have a lack of trust is, is not surprising. But I want to help us with something here. No matter what man does, when it comes down to putting your faith and your confidence in God, you got to start with your trust in him. Because man ain't the one that's going to provide for you. God is. And, and see, the enemy will use all kinds of situations and circumstances and so forth, amen, to try to get us to, to make a decision based on what man does or doesn't do or may or may not do rather than on who God is. Amen. Because even if, you know, you run into those situations and you got somebody like Joey used to be, God's still God. And I know he wasn't the only shady one in here. Truth be told. Huh? Mm-hmm. Hello. Now we know Joey ain't shady no more, but we don't know about the rest of y'all. No. Huh? Hello. You know, so that's that's one of the places, amen. We look, look at Psalms four, verse five with me. Help us. We got we got to get to the place where we trust God. We have to be so cautious when we know who we're doing it unto and why we're doing it unto. We ain't about everybody else. Amen. But it says this: offer the sacrifice of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. In other words, you just do the right. You do which is what is right and put your trust in God and let God deal with the rest. Don't let the rest be a roadblock, amen, or a reason that's going to separate you from doing what God has commanded us to do. Amen? The second reason, now this one here, amen, I know I'm going to hit a whole lot of people with this one. Amen. You think, oh, yeah. The second one is drive by guilty. Now, we all know what a drive-by shooting is. We've probably been around some maybe, or we've seen it on TV. We've heard about it. Amen. The drive-by shooting. And the drive-by, you know, you're just shooting shooting to a crowd. You're trying to get that individual. You know, and the sad thing about drive-bys is the bullet don't always hit the intended target. Amen? Amen. And sometimes the, the bullet hits innocent bystanders. And the sad, other sad part is, you know, whether they hit the intended target or not, it hurts more than the one person. Amen? Because it's going to affect, even if you get your target, 
if I'm shooting at Chantel because I feel like she ain't doing it right, so I'm doing a drive-by for the pulpit. Uh, I'm throwing it out there, hoping it'll hit her, but it's hitting everybody else. We got innocent bystanders, amen, getting wounded and getting hit and getting beat up and everything else. Why? You know, because, you know, I'm, I'm trying to put a guilt trip on her, amen. And the problem with that is even if the guilt trip works, amen, it may bring about change for two or three weeks. You know, why? why? Because guilt is not a good motive. It's not a good motivator. Amen. So you might be motivated to do something out of guilt and condemnation for a little while, but that's not going to last. So we, we really need to get to a place where we're motivated out of love. We're motivated because of understanding, amen, and, and on those things, rather than a negative motivators are very bad motivators. Amen. So those, those are some of the things that we got. We got you know, maybe, maybe you, get, you can go to drive by here. Well, I'm sorry. That's not our intention. Amen. But see, it's, it's our intention to build us, amen, to help us to get rooted in the areas and the understanding of the word of God, amen, so that we now we can do it because we love God and we appreciate everything he's done for us. And it's just not in the area of finance. It's in every area of our lives. Amen. I don't care if I'm preaching on marriage or if, if I'm preaching on relationships. I, I don't care. It, it needs to be motivated out of our love for God. Remember what I said? The only thing that's going to satisfy us, amen, is everything, Jesus being the, the center of everything that we do, he, him being the focus. That's what's going to bring satisfaction, amen. So we want good motivators, not bad motivators, amen. We don't want to provoke negative feelings and emotions to get you to move because that's not going to work. It's not very long anyway. The third one, amen, is fear. One of them things that keeps us indecisive. Fear, oh, what am I going to do if I don't have no money? Fear and money kind of go together. Amen? What if I run out of money? We, 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 we get the, the, all those scenarios. Am I going to make it through the week? Am I going to make it? You know, but the other side of that, amen, is, and I've seen this, sometimes people, when they got more money, when they get blessed with money, they get fearful. I don't want nobody to know what I got. They're going to try to come and get my money. And so, so they get fearful because they got, they got more than they used to. You know, so fear can invoke money because of lack or fear can invoke, I mean, money can invoke fear because of the lack of it or it can invoke fear because of the abundance of it. Now you think someone's going to get you. Someone's going to steal from you. Someone's going to get over on you. You know, so now what am I going to do? Don't, ooh, goodness, help Lord. So we got to get past, past the fear thing and realize, amen, that God has given us a spirit of fear. Love, power, and the soundness of mind, amen, even all those areas of our lives, amen. So we, we, can't, we can't allow fear to stop the same thing, you know, bring a righteous offering unto the Lord, amen. And when we do that, amen, the rest, amen. Sometimes we look and say, well, I don't know what the church is going to do with my money. I don't know what Pastor Dave is going to do with all my money. But once, like I said, you know, once you give it up, once you recognize it's not your money anyway. Huh? You know, but, it, but it's, it's God's. Amen. So it's not that. So we can't be fearful of that. Now, now one thing, if, if we're going to trust God, every scripture concerning salvation, every scripture concerning heaven, amen, and eternity, all the scriptures, don't we want to, shouldn't we also trust him in the scriptures concerning money? 
If you're going to trust me to preach to you about your salvation, amen, and counsel you about your marriage and talk to you about all these other things, but when I start talking about money, I don't know if I trust that. Huh? Uh, you can tell me how to, to deal with my kids, amen, and to deal with this crazy spouse of mine. And, you know, you can give me the word to put on them. But when the word comes to you dealing about money, huh? No, I don't think, I, I think he, he missed it on that one. Huh? Hello? Got to take the whole package. Amen? Number four, indebtedness. Anybody here in debt? Don't raise your hand. I can't afford to tie. I can't afford to give right now. I'm, uh, yeah, we kind of touched on that last week, didn't we? How did we get in that situation? Buying stuff we can't afford, trying to maintain a lifestyle we can't afford. And, and then what happens is God ends up on the short end of the stick. You know, and we don't want to do that either, so we've got to begin to turn that around. You know, I would, I would rather have God happy with me and all my creditors mad. Amen? I'll call him up and say, I'm going to make some arrangements with you. But I got arrangements that I got to keep with God, too. Uh, I got first. Amen. That, that's what we got to check. Amen. See, you know, ooh, goodness. Turn, turn over to Proverbs 22, please. I'm covering this because I got, I got a lot. I just want to cover these points for you real quick. Some of us say, man, we get to a point with this debt. We living on credit cards. Transferring one balance to the other. Amen, so we can make the minimum payment on this card with this card, you know, and all, all that kind of stuff. Amen. And that's not the way to function. That's not the way to operate because you never get out like that. Amen. It's crazy, man. You know, and God don't want us in that position. We borrow from people with no intention to repay. Huh? Amen. But see, you know, sometimes people end up in debt. Now, I'm not, I don't want to beat everybody up if you got debt because, first of all, there's good debt and there's bad debt. Okay? Your house is never if you if you manage it right, house, car, all those things. That's that's an investment, amen. If you manage it right, amen, you're not in debt. You see, I, I look at debt like this. I went, you know, and signed an agreement with the bank, you know, the mortgage company, to to purchase my home. Amen. Now they agreed to give me the money to the seller on my behalf so that I could occupy the house. Amen. And we have an agreement that I will pay you X amount of dollars based on this interest rate on the first of every month. So when I and then when I first moved in, I didn't have a payment for two months. So I, they, basically they told me, you don't owe me nothing for two months. So for two months, I didn't have no debt. But when the first came, I owed. Amen. Y'all can hear that song, I owe, I owe, so off the work I go, you know. So I owed. See, so once I made that payment on the first, I don't owe them nothing else until the first of next month. I have an agreement. But when I go beyond the agreed set date, now I'm indebted to you, okay, because I, we have an agreement. We have an arrangement here, amen. See, but when I don't keep my arrangement when I don't keep up what I'm supposed to do. Now I'm sinking further and further into debt. And so I can say there's good debt, there's bad, there's investments, amen, and there's things that sometimes we're putting money in and you'll never get it back. That's not good debt. You know, when you, when you oh goodness, watch what I'm going to say. I'm about to hit some of y'all. 
but I've done it to myself. See, but when you pull up to the drive-thru at McDonald's or Wendy's or Starbucks, Starbucks, you know, and, and you and you and you whip out your credit card and you buy that 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 latte with you know with you know however y'all get it. I don't even I don't even know. Some of them combination. You get that latte and you drive away and you just pay four dollars and ninety some odd cents for that cup of coffee, you know, and you drink it up and you throw the cup away and it's on that credit card that you're paying twenty nine percent interest on. How much did you really pay for that cup of coffee? You just financed a, a hamburger. Hello? We don't think about it like that, but you know, when you when you when you drive away from Wendy's and you just bought it on your you just financed a hamburger. See, it's different when you pull up there and you whip out some cash. Hello? Uh, he, he, he said, okay, let's use the debit card. At least it ain't financing. <laughs> but I'm talking about how we misuse credit. See, a debit card is different now, now when you swipe. You know, so you got to think about what you do, how you're managing your money, because how long is it going to be for that, that, that cup of coffee or that, that hamburger is paid off on your credit card? Just, just thinking. In other words, that's bad debt. Okay? When you buy consumable things like that on credit, that's bad debt. Okay? That's not an investment. That's not a good investment. Okay? I'm just trying to help us. So, but sometimes people end up in, in debt or in dire straits because of reasons beyond their own. Death in the family, you know, with no insurance. You got to do uh, medical expenses or loss, unexpected loss of your job. You know, sometimes we find ourselves in hard places. You know, but that's why it's good to have a God that will bring you out. Amen. And deliver you. Amen. So I'm not trying to beat everybody. I'm not trying to beat anybody. But look what it says. Look what it says in Proverbs 22, 7. It said, the rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant. What does that say? Servant to the lender. Hello? So what am I saying? What's the scripture letting us know? God don't want us being servant to nobody but him. Isn't that right? He said, I will make you the lender. In Deuteronomy, he said, I'll make you the head and the tail, the lender and not the borrower. That's God's plan, purpose, and will for us is that we will be in a position that we, we are the lender. Now, we're not the ones borrowing, amen, because we're his servant. He doesn't want us to be servant to MasterCard. You know how they call it MasterCard? It becomes your master after a while. Visa, taking you places you don't want to go. In debt. Huh? Discover card. Sooner or later you discover you over your head. Huh? And then you get American excess. You know, because it's way more than you need. And we become slaves to those things rather than walking with God and constantly trusting him. Amen. Tell somebody, get control over your finances. Because if you don't, they're going to control you. So we, we got we to gotta get it under control, amen? We, we, you know, no, 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 no. So uh, we, we, we want to be able to serve God with our resources, amen, and not be in bondage to man, not be in bondage to the world system of finances, amen, But so we can, we can break that off, amen, 
man, and say, no, we're changing it. Man, and one thing we, we're planning to do, another financial peace class here. We're going to get that going here in the next few months. Because why? We want to show you, amen, through, through proper money management and investment skills how to get out and how to stay out. You know, and we're not going to charge you for the class. All you got to do is pay for your materials and just come to class and, and learn. Because, you know, we, we want to bless you. We, we want to see you out. Amen. When I went to the class, I was like, wow, I wish I'd have known this stuff 20 years ago. You know, I really did. I'm like, wow, I, I never saw it like this. I never did it like this. Amen. Especially for you younger people, you need to go through that class. Amen. So you can learn how to come out, not, well, to keep from going too deep in. Amen. And I understand now they have a, also a curriculum for teens as well. Amen. So this, we're going to be looking at both of those because, you know, I would love to see our teens never even have to get in this class. Amen. Amen. I tell people all the time, wish I knew back then what I know now, I'd be a whole lot better off in all the areas of my life. I'd be a whole lot better off than I am now. I was telling someone the other day, you know, I wish I'd have had, I wish we'd have had premarital counseling before we got married. Amen. We did. We got not not even an hour with the pastor, you know. And then boom, we, I showed up late to the wedding. But that's another story. I was trying to get there. If I can say traffic, huh? You know. But that's why we believe just like finances. You need. I mean, they they don't teach finances in school like they need to teach. No, they don't. You know, so, so we have to take it on ourselves, amen, realizing that we're God's people and the resources that he gives us to, to manage and to be stewards over are his. You know, and he allows us to keep a certain amount, but he says so, so much belongs to him. You know, in, in Malachi, the scripture I was talking about, amen, it, it says what? Malachi, I believe, he said 310. I got it on the screen. But he said, will a man rob God? But then he says this, he said, bring all the tithe. In the storehouse. Now notice, he didn't say pay the tithe. When he's talking, he said, bring it. Why? Because it already belongs to him. You ain't paying it with, with his. That, that's like, you know, I, I give somebody my property to use. So, you know, I give my, my granddaughter, here's I am, my laptop to use. And I say, well, you know, I need you to bring that to me. You know, but she, but she comes to me and says, here, I'm giving you a brand new. No, it ain't brand new. That's mine already. No, so you're not paying someone what's theirs. You got to bring it to God. Amen. So in the last one, Amen, that I want to touch on, then we're gonna we're gonna move on. Amen. It's unawareness. <laughs> Hallelujah. You just don't know. You just don't understand the difference. Amen. Unaware of the the blessings of what it's all about and what it means. Amen. And it, you know they tell us we we can't. Uh, we can't afford to pay no tithes. You know, I just don't understand that. You know, I, I'm in a bad situation right now. Or oh, I've heard people say this, I'll pay it when I make more money. Well, I'm waiting for my ship to come in. Your ship done docked, unloaded, amen, and it's ready to depart again, and you ain't thought about giving God nothing. You know, we have all these reasons in our mind when I get a good raise, when my finances get straight. You know, but look, look at Luke 16 and 10 with me. Because if you ain't paying, if you're not giving God nothing now at the level you are now, what makes you think that you're going to do greater when you have greater? 
Huh? Look what he says in 11, I mean Luke 16 and 10. He said, if you are, and I'm reading out of the NLT, kind of put a little emphasis on it. He said, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large, th- in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, hello, you won't be honest with greater responsibility. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? Amen. We tell see, when you do God's way, when he opens up the window, when he pours out a blessing, that's supernatural blessing. Amen. He said, how can I trust you with more when you, you don't even know how to handle less? Huh? Who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? The 12th verse says, and if you are not faithful with other people's things, whether it's God's or man's, why should you be trusted with things of your own? You can't even handle that. You know, you know you're child can buy me my own car and I'll drive it right. You're mistreating yours. Now, I remember my mom yelling at my, my brother when we, we were teaching him how to drive. He's shifting it while in reverse while it was still moving forward a little bit. She's like, don't be doing that to my car. Don't treat it like that. You know? You think he'll, he'll treat his better? If you don't learn how to treat it better, no, not necessarily. No. So we got to understand, amen. Remember what I said in, in last week's message? For those who think I'll do it when I get more. Remember the statistics I shared with you last week? Amen. That those who make less typically and statistically give more. Amen. The lowest 12, 12%. I mean, those that make under $12,000 a year, amen, give percentage-wise more than everybody else. So what's that telling us? When you have more, it's more challenging. I'm not saying it's everybody, but it's more challenging. So if you don't start down here and develop a habit, develop a consistency, understand the, the purpose behind it. It's just like I'll start saving when I make more money. No, you'll just start spending more money. You know, one of the things I, 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 I was looking up, and I don't know, the Holy Spirit just, you know, had me look at this, but it's amazing that the bankruptcy rate has climbed over the last five years. But the thing that surprised me is decline is more with people with degrees. Those who have not graduated or, 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 you know, just graduated from high school, the rate has actually dropped. So it's all the well-educated people, not all, I shouldn't say all. But it's typically the well-educated people who are filing bankruptcy, and the, the rate is taking off. So we, we see the commercials, you know, if you get an associate, you make $10,000 more. You get a bachelor's, you're going to make so much more. So what happened? What's, what's the problem? More money causes us to want more things. And then when the economy crashes and they no longer need you in that high-paying job, who's going to go? This is just one of the parts. I mean, that's just one part of it. But see, we we got to check ourselves. When it comes to our resources, if God is first, it don't matter whether you make a million or you make a hundred dollars. You're going to give him the same percentage-wise. Amen? But we looked at this scripture. Amen? Let's go to 1 Timothy. 
Hallelujah. Yes, sir. Amen. First Timothy, amen, 17. says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, or I'm in the NIV, arrogant, or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Amen. So encourage them. Let's, let's get the focus right. Let's do it right. Remember, we talked about how that everybody is rich. When we look at the big scheme of things, we look at the globalrichlist.com. Anybody go and check that? Put your own numbers in. You know, just to see where you were. Y'all afraid to go look. Mm-hmm. But when we look at that, we realize on the global scale that we're rich. Amen. And we're in good shape. Amen. We're not hurting. So as a rich person, we end up with problems that are inherent to rich people. Amen. Y'all you have any problem because you're rich? Okay. Okay. Y'all, y'all, y'all don't get that one yet. Okay, let me, let me share some of rich people problems with you. Amen? Y'all ready? Starbucks messed up my coffee order. They didn't put the non-fat skim milk in it without the whipped cream on top. You upset because they messed up your coffee order. Poor people can't even go to Starbucks. Poor people wouldn't go to Starbucks. Couldn't go to Starbucks. Okay, maybe that's not you. Okay, how about this one? The internet connection is slow on your cell phone. Or your data plan ran out. That's a rich person problem. Huh? See, sometimes we don't see where we are in day-to-day things. The internet connection ran out. Oh, pull up to the gas station and you're upset because the Pay at the pump option ain't working. And I got to walk all the way inside. I just want to swipe my card because I got money in the bank. And this is inconvenient to me. Rich person problem. I remember working at a gas station when I was 18. You know, give or take. This is going to date me a little bit. You know, but folks used to pull in there, and it was all day long. Two dollars. Two dollars, two dollars a gas, two dollars a regular. We don't go buy no two dollars a gas no more. But that two dollars, hey amen. They, they would give them, you know, they would they'd give a good amount. Of, I, me, I remember filling up my car. I would go to Target and fill up my car when they was having gas wars for twenty five cents a gallon. Twenty five cents a gallon, and and I would I would go in there with a five dollar bill and get change. With a full tank, that ain't happening today. Huh? See, so so we, we've come a long way. You can still put gas in your car when it's almost $4 a gallon. That was almost a tank full for me. I wish they'd go back there, but I know them days ain't never going to come again. How about this one? Maybe you, you, you're not rich enough to have this problem. I don't know which shoes or which tie to wear with this outfit. 
Huh? Anybody have that problem? Which ones go better? How about this tie? You think this tie? You got a whole rack of ties. Somebody don't even have a tie. Huh? Hello. We, we think about it. Think about it. Oh, how about this one? I know I'm going to hit some people with this one. The food in my refrigerator passed the expiration date. Well, it went bad, so I had to throw it away. That's a foreign concept in a lot of nations. You you think they're going to look at a date? Or they're going to eat? Huh? Hello, but we rich enough to a whole gallon of milk. Oh, it's two days past. Down the drain. Huh? We just didn't get to it. I don't drink milk like I used to no more. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we just go buy another gallon. You know, how about this? You know, I, I went to Outback, and they overcooked my steak. I want another one. Those are, these are rich people problems. But we don't see ourselves as, and you can probably come up with some of your own scenarios. Amen, that, that let you know, amen, that, how about, oh, this one, I can't miss this one. Are we riding together today, or are we taking separate cars? Hello. It's all around us. I'm riding with mama. You know. We, you know, other places, they walk in 10 miles together to get some water. I'm trying to help us. You know, to, to, to realign our, our thinking, amen. You know, you know, because we, you know, like I said, this list could go on and on. Amen. And we got to, you know, stop and check ourselves and realize that we are not broke. We are spoiled. Ooh, hello? Am I talking to anybody? Just don't don't holler out. Amen. But the truth is we're, we're spoiled. You know, we, we get upset because we don't have everything that we want like we want it. Where other nations, amen, they're hurting because they don't have anything. And what we would throw away a bypass or step over, they would gladly have. I'm just being real, okay? To get us out of this mindset that I'm struggling, I'm struggling. No, 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 no. We got we to gotta get into a place, amen. And then when it comes to our giving, we have that same mindset. We want to make that optional as well. Huh? You know, but, you know, obedience is never optional. It's, uh, it's either going to be one of two things. It's going to be obedience. Or disobedience. There's no such thing as partial obedience. Huh? Remember Saul? You know, when he, when he had his kingdom rent from him because he was partially disobedient, God just said, okay, you did half of what I told you. You did most of what I told you. You know, he said, go kill all of the Amalekites and kill everybody, women, kids, animals, everything. Don't leave anything alive. He went in there, and they took the best of the animals, amen, and he saved the king alive. He killed everybody else, and he said, oh, we went and did what the Lord said. No, you didn't. He said, kill everything. If you left one thing alive, you didn't do what he said do. Uh, that, was, that was disobedience, amen. And because of that, he lost his kingdom. Amen. So when it comes to our finance, we got to be obedient to God, not partially obedient, not when it's convenient. Amen. Not when it fits into our way of thinking, but 
completely obedient to him. If we want, we want his full blessing, and he wants our full obedience. He wants to be first. Amen. Let's, let's go back over to our story, to the 22nd verse. And we, in the 18, 1 Kings 18. Now, I got to do some reading in your hearing, amen, because, you know, this, this, there's so much in this story I don't want us to miss. Amen. Hallelujah. But I got to get our thinking lined up before we deal with this. 1 Kings 18.22. And I'm coming out of you out of the New Living Translation. I did that on purpose, okay? Hallelujah. <clears throat> Y'all there? He said, Then Elisha said to them, I am the only prophet of the Lord who is left. But Baal has 450 prophets. Now bring two bulls. The prophets of Baal may choose whichever one they wish and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood of their altar, but without setting fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood on the altar, but set not set fire to it. Then call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by setting fire to the wood is the true God. And all the people agreed. Now, notice, let me help you all with the backdrop here. Remember what's going on. They're on top of Mount Carmel. Amen. And they're in a drought. The last thing you want coming from heaven in a drought is fire. Right? Last thing you want anybody to do is start a fire because next thing you know, you done burnt up everything. Wow, so, so like I said, I don't want to miss what's happening here. Amen? So he said, all the people agreed. Then Elijah said, verse number 25, then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, you go first. I kind of like this part. He said, you go first, for there are many of you. Choose one of the bulls and prepare it and call on the name of your God, but do not set fire to the wood. And they might be thinking, oh, he's just being cautious. <laughs> so they prepared one of the bulls and placed it on the altar, and they called on the name of Baal from morning until noontime, shouting, Baal, oh Baal, answer us. But there was no reply of any kind. Then they danced, hobbling around the altar they had made. About noontime, Elijah began mocking them. See, that's why I say I kind of like this part. You know, he started taunting them a little bit. He said, you'll have to shout louder. He scoffed. For surely he is a god. Perhaps he's daydreaming. Or is relieving himself. After this, I know y'all not looking. He said, or relieving himself, or maybe he's away on a trip, or is asleep and you need to, needs to be awakened. He's just messing with them. You know, he, he, he's not hearing you. So they shouted louder, and following their normal custom, hear this, young people, listen, cut themselves with knives and swords until the blood gushed out. And they raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice, but still there was no sound or reply, no response. 
Why did I say young people listen? They're cutting themselves. You know, and think about that. Don't sidebar me, but just looking at this. You know, this was 3,500 years ago. And there's still, we still have this problem. Psychologists are looking at a new phenomenon amongst our youth. Cutting themselves. Self-mutilation. Huh? And, and why is this happening? Remember what I said? When God is the focus, when God is the center, then everybody's going to be satisfied. But if God is not the focus, if he's not the center, then we'll do things that are self-destructive. Youth and adults, we handle our money in a self-destructive way. But when these things begin to happen amongst our youth, that's letting us know, amen, that for some reason we have not helped them. And they're not seeing God as the focus, God as the center. So they don't feel good enough. They feel less than, amen. So they want to hurt themselves. And they, they're, they're having these struggles. And, and we've got to wake up as a nation. We've got to wake up as a Christian community and recognize what's going on amongst our young people. We can't sweep it under the rug and act like it's not happening. It's happening. It's happening around us. Amen. I, we've seen it in church. And we've got to say, no, uh-uh. There's a problem here. We've got to help them to focus on God. Because this is a symptom of a big problem. Amen. And, and, and it's not going to go away just because we ignore it. Self-mutilation, amen, all these things, amen. I, I could even go down the road of piercing, but some of y'all would get upset with me if I, if I start saying too much about that. That's my personal preference. Okay. Mm-hmm. Find that in the Bible. Okay. So we look at these things, but they called on their God and notice, even in their desperation, he did not answer. Not only did he not answer, he could not answer. Because he's a God that they created. What am I saying? The things that we elevate and we lift up and we make into gods in our lives, whether it's our stuff, other people, or whatever it is, when trouble comes, they can't answer your problem. All your gadgets can't answer your problem. All these things that you put before God can't answer your problem. Guess what? They become the problem. So we got to realize that God has got to be number one. Because he's the one that's going to answer our problems. You know, when we find ourselves going through all these droughts in these different areas of our life, why are you in a drought in that place? Because God is not in that place with you. Until you invite him in, then he's the one that's going to bring you out. And we got to make up our minds, amen, that he's going to be the one. Like I said, didn't want no fire, amen. Hallelujah. Mm, mm, mm. Jesus has got to be number one. Now, he didn't answer. Balaam didn't come. Hallelujah. Oh, we need Balaam. We need, no, who do we need? We need, we need Jesus. But we want to make him number one in our lives. Now, let's, let's move on down, amen, because we got we to gotta have some convictions, amen, some personal convictions that says, Jesus, you are number one. Some core convictions. Anybody got core convictions in here? Amen. Sometimes we don't realize how, how core they are until start, someone starts messing with those convictions. See, one of my convictions is this. Toilet paper goes over, not under. 
and I know I'm right. Huh? Under is wrong. Okay? So what are you talking about, Pastor? When you put the roll on the holder, it's supposed to fold over, over like that. So you can tear it off. How many how many overs I got in here with me? See? Oh, look at this. I got oh, I'm on this side of the room. Huh? I got more overs. The rest of y'all are y'all unders? Oh, y'all under what's this? Huh? Some of y'all don't even put it on the roll. <laughs> Just set it on the counter. It don't make no difference. You know, you you one of them people. <laughs> One of the people that just waste. Just roll it and wad it, you know. But it's over. It's, see, that's what's one of my. So if I come to your house and I ask you to use your bathroom, I like come out and it's, it's fixed. <laughs> I will help you <laughs> to get it right. You know, we we have these little these little you know convictions that that we live by. But the bottom line, our number one core conviction should be Jesus is number one. And everybody needs to have him in their life. And when we have that conviction now, not only is it about us, but it's about sharing Christ with everybody else. Because that's my conviction. Just like I will fix your toilet paper, I will try to fix you with Jesus. Huh? Try to get you to know him. Why? Because that's a conviction, amen. You need, if you don't know him, let me introduce you to him. Uh, let me let you know who he is, amen, and what he's done for me. That's what our testimonies are for, amen. That's what our lives should demonstrate, amen. And when people begin to ask how or, you know, what's going on, we can say it's because of my relationship with God. Jesus is number one in my life. See, we should be at the demonstration, amen, of that relationship with him, not just our words, but what we do and how we live, amen. See, that means I'm ready to surrender everything to God. How many of y'all are real good at surrendering things? depends on what it is. I can just feel it. <laughs> it depends on what it is. Well, let me tell you this. When it comes to the Lord, it don't matter. Now, you might have issues surrendering things to people, but when it comes to the Lord, we should be willing to surrender everything. You know how we sang the song back in the day? I surrender what? All. all. How many of y'all used to sing, ever, ever sang that song? I surrender all. All to him I now, if we really sing that song truthfully, we might sing something like this. I surrender some, you know, and instead of all, it's just some because, you know, we haven't really chosen to surrender all to him yet. Amen. Now, these people that we're looking at, remember, this is the people of Israel. He's got them up on Mount Carmel in the drought. And they're talking about starting a fire to burn up these sacrifices. And he said, the God that answers by fire from heaven, he's going to be God. But we still got a problem. Amen. See, during this time, amen, they had to be, be ready to surrender everything to God. Just like we should be ready to surrender everything to God. To make Jesus number one no matter what the circumstances, amen. And the hardest thing for people of today to surrender to God is their money. I'm just being real. Amen? Now, I'm going I'm to I'm ask you three different questions about the situation that they were in. 
and the answers are going to be the same to each one. Okay? So during this time, the people of Israel were most desperate for what? Rain is what? Water. That's the answer. They were dead. Remember they said that they're looking for water everywhere. And he's talking about fire. Okay? So they were desperate for water. Sometimes when we get desperate, we'll do anything. Amen? We should be desperate for Jesus like they were desperate for water. Amen? The second one, so what was the most valuable commodity at that time? Water. Land didn't matter. Gold wasn't going to, you know, quench your thirst. So water was the most valuable thing that they were able to possess in a drought. Okay? Hallelujah. And then finally, you were in the Middle East on a trip, and you had to travel. Even today, if you had to travel by foot a day's journey or a week's journey, what's the number one thing you would take with you? Water. Amen. You can't carry enough water, especially if you got to go a week. And why am I asking you this? Because in order for them to get to Mount Carmel, it was at least a day's journey. For some of them, it was a week's journey. For coming from all around, they were coming to see what was going on. So we know in, in order to get there, they had to bring some water. So when we get up there, yeah, they're going to be thirsty. It's hot. I mean, I remember when we went to Israel, it was hot. I mean, I'm not sure what time of year this was taking place, but we definitely carried water with us everywhere we went. They made sure we had water with us all day long. You ran out of water, they gave you another water bottle. They made sure you stayed hydrated. Why? Because it's just that hot, and you're going to sweat it out. Okay. Now, let's, let's pick it up on the 30th verse. I mean, to go on a journey like that, to go into the desert without water is tantamount to what? Suicide. Amen? So the 30th verse in the 18th chapter, Then Elijah said to all the people, Come here to me. I mean, remember, he just got through mocking them, and, and their God never answered, and Balaam never answered. He said, Come here to me. They came to him and repaired the altar of the Lord, because the other one had been jumping around doing all this stuff, which was... Had, which had been torn down. Elisha took 12 stones, each one of them, each one of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two sashes of seed. In other words, this is this size big, okay, around the altar. He made a little altar. Now look what he says. He arrayed the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Four large, I mean, the King James says, King James says, barrels of water and pour it on the altar. Remember, they're in a drought. There is no water. See, if you don't see the context of what's going on, we miss a lot. There is no water. They're on the top of the mountain. Now, from where they are, they can overlook and see the Mediterranean Sea. But it was about a day's journey away. And on the other side, they can look and they can see the Kishan River down in the valley, in the Kishan Valley. But 
even to go there, I received those. <laughs> but even to go down there wouldn't have done no good. Remember, they're in a drought. The river's dried up. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been looking for water to feed their animals. So there's no water in the river. The sea is too far away. Where's the water coming from? To pour on these rocks. Hello, anybody got a clue? There's no water. This is this is key because in Israel, water, even now, water is very important. Very important. I mean, you live in an arid, almost desert-like area. Water is very important. So for the Israelites to take water and pour it on a rock is an ultimate form of worship. You're sacrificing something that is life-giving, that is valuable to you. To pour it on a rock is one of the ultimate forms of worship and surrender unto God. So when he's asking them to do this, the water's got to come from the people. In order for them to see God move, they got to participate. Not only participate, but they have to be willing to sacrifice what was the most valuable to them. Knowing that they still had to go back home when it was all over. They had to, whatever they, they water sacks or whatever they brought with them for the journey, now it's time to see, do you want God to move or not? Remember he told them, choose you this day who you're going to serve? Now is the time for the choosing to take place. Are you willing to sacrifice what's precious to you? For us, that's like our money. Huh? Because that's, that's the lifeblood of our economy. That's the lifeblood of our living. Are you, do you want to see God move? Do you want to come out the drought? I'm, I'm trying to help us here, amen, to see what's happening. Now notice, mm, mm, where I stop. Mm. Let's look at verse number 34. Not only did he ask them to do it once, 34, he said, do it again. Now I can imagine there's probably some dissenters in the crowd after the first call for water. So is he crazy? This all I got? Did he want me to give that and, and pour it out? I still got to go home. That's like the off, you know, the time for offering. Are he, is he crazy? This all I got. I got the rest of the week to get through. Talking to somebody. But not only did he do it once, you ever been one of them churches that have four or five offerings? <laughs> Got one before worship, after worship, before the word, after the word, maybe during the word. You know? Okay. Now, now he, he, he tells them not only did they pour water once, now you, he said, take those four large jars, fill them up again, and pour it on all. So even beyond the dissenters, he did it again. You know, normally when you ask for an offering, there's those that are willing to give. That's the first tier. First tier of givers, you know, those that are already committed. Then you then you ask again, you got to nudge the next one. You know, they, they want to, but they're not quite sure. But then when you get to this next package, huh, he said do it again. Then he said do it a third time. He ordered 
and they did it a third time. Now, some people, you just got to order to do it. You just got to take authority. Say, okay, you need to do this. You need to do it now. And it said, the water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. Now, notice now here the setting here. They don't need no water, I mean fire to come down. And they need their water. You don't need no more heat in your situation, but you need more money. So the thing they needed, he's saying, give up. And the thing they don't need, he's about to call down. It's a crazy situation. Huh? My goodness, help us, Lord. Verse number 36. Hallelujah. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forth and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Whose command? God told him to do this stuff. Uh, amen? So he, just like he commanded us in the New Testament, tell them, command them to be ready to give. Okay, so look at this. He said, do it. Now notice, he didn't pray for water. He didn't pray for that. He prayed for God to show himself God. Uh, that's all we need in our situation. Answer me, Lord. Answer me. He said it twice. So these people will know that you are, that you are, you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Wow. So what they need, they need, what he's letting them know, what they need to see is the power of God. Amen. And, not, and in this, we're going to see that God did show his mercy and his compassion. But first of all, we need to know the power of God. He said, you're turning their hearts again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burnt up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trenches. So that person that thought he was going to get some water after it was all over, the water was gone. Didn't even leave none behind to try to fill up your little bucket. Huh? When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. See, God showed them their power, so it got their attention. Sometimes, we, but see, we're not going to see God move like that unless we're willing to sacrifice something. We want God to move, and then we'll sacrifice. But we got to get in order. We got to be willing to make the sacrifice, make the commitment, trust God, release what we call valuable, amen, unto God who is greater, amen. And guess what? He's able to do great things. He'll show himself strong. Amen. And he prayed for water. And then look at the, the 40, verse 41. Hallelujah. And Elijah said to Ahab, go, eat, and drink. Drink what? Watch out now. For there is a sound of a heavy rain. Uh, in other words, there's a blessing on the way. We ain't seen rain in over three years. But now that you've made a sacrifice and you've committed yourself unto God, get ready T.D. Jake said, get ready, get ready, get ready, because there's a sound of not just a, a drizzle. I, I think the King James says an abundance of rain. Huh? Amen. In other words, 
you better get ready because it's about to pour on you. See, if you just trust God, if you just believe God, get ready because it, it won't be long. It won't be long before your blessing is coming. Amen. The little bit of water you gave up ain't going to be nothing compared to what you get in return. Because it, it's about to come on down on you. Oh, my goodness. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, and Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. In other words, he was in a prayer position. And he said, go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. He said, there's nothing there. That's what he says in this verse. He said, there is nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. Go back. Pastor, ain't even nothing happening. Go back. I don't see nothing happening here. I'm still going. Keep looking. Keep holding on. Keep trying. Seven times, amen, he told him to go back again. Now, you know, some people are after five times, this man crazy. Ain't nothing going to happen. Six times, yeah, right. But then on the seventh time, the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. Remember, it was down there. there but he could see it. That little old cloud. I, I see a cloud. Can you imagine three years and no cloud? And then all of a sudden you see a little cloud coming up. My goodness. So Elijah said, go, tell Ahab. Remember Ahab, the one that was leading them, serving wrong, the wrong gods? Hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. In other words, before we get flooded out, you better get going. There's going to be that much rain, you ain't going to be able to go. Meanwhile, the sky grew gray, grew black, excuse me, with clouds, and the wind rose, and heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. Wow. So just that quick, when they decided to put God first, when they made a decision, just not, now hear what I'm about to say, because I'm about to, I'm, I'm done, I'm about to. Not just in their words, but in their actions. When they were willing to sacrifice what was most valuable to them, and give up their glory, that's when God was able to move in the whole situation. Now what am I saying? We need to be at that place. And we need to live at that place. Amen. Not wait for it to get bad before we give it up. Amen. But we continue to give. We continue to bless God. We continue to do it God's way. We continue to put him first in every circumstance, every area of our lives. Why? Because I want to stay in the abundance. Amen. I, 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 want, I want my relationships. I want my health. Amen. I, I want ministry. I want my finance. I want all those things to stay healthy. Amen. And not wait till they get bad. Till now nah, I need to call on the name of, will you please deliver me? No. We need to be in a place where it's a constant calling on him. Why? Because he's a God that will answer. But if we don't put him first, we'll find ourselves in a dry and a thirsty place. And that's not where we want to be. We want to be in a place, amen, where it's more than enough. Like I said, in Deuteronomy, he said, I'll make you the head and not the tail. The lender, not. Sometimes you just need to go and read Deuteronomy 18. Amen. And see, what, see the promises he made unto his people. Amen. If they would just put him first and keep him first in every area. Let's stand. Hallelujah. As we press forward, as we transition, amen, 
let's, let's commit to do our part. Amen. To do what the Word of God has instructed us to do. Amen. And when we walk in that, when we do that, we'll see the abundance all around us. But we got to keep Him first. We got to decide that I'm going to bless the Lord in every circumstance and situation. I don't care what it looks like. He's got to be number one. Hallelujah. When you're making a decision, amen, a life-changing decision, what did the Lord say? I'm not going to just do it on my own. But what did the Lord say? Hallelujah. God is a good God. And he wants to bless us, amen, immeasurably. Man, how can I say that? How can I say God wants to bless? God wants us. There are so many passages in the scripture that, that let you know that God wants his people to be in abundance. Huh? He wants us, amen, to live a life that is attractive to the world around us. Not one that's struggling, amen, and we're not barely, we're barely getting by, amen, and our marriages are falling apart, and our, our kids are out of order and all. No, that's not how he wants us. He wants us, amen, to where they can begin to ask us, how do you achieve? And we can give them the answer by the Most High God. Hallelujah. So let's bow our heads as we go before the Lord. Thank you, Lord God. We're going to pray, and then we're we going to take up our offering. I didn't forget. I know some of y'all say he still didn't give it offering. I didn't forget. But we're going to make the call for our offering. Amen. We want to be like these people that we just looked at. Amen. To come and to give it. As unto the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you right now. We magnify you, God, because you are the God that sits up high and looks down low, God. Yet, you move in our midst. And we give you praise right now, God. Help us, Lord, to see where we are in this word, Lord, that we received on this morning. Are we in the first call? Are we in the second call? Or are we those in the third call that must be commanded? put you first? Are we doing it willingly? Hallelujah. Are we doing it, Lord, because we have that kind of relationship with you and we love you, Lord, and we don't question you, but we trust you. We're not uncertain about who you are or what you're doing, and we'll, we'll bring a righteous offering unto you, God. We'll bring a righteous sacrifice unto you because we trust you. Hallelujah. We trust you, God, and we know that you are our source and you are our supply, God. We know that you are the one that gives us the ability to gain wealth, hallelujah. We know that you are the keeper and the lover of our souls. We're motivated out of a relationship with you, out of a love for you, out of an understanding that without you, God, we will fail. We thank you right now. Hallelujah. So we want to be a part of what it is that you're doing here in living faith, here in our community, God, as we, we are able to venture out beyond these walls, Lord, to do greater things for you to lift you up, Lord, and let your name be made known. I pray over this people, Lord, those that are here, those that are not able to be with us on this morning, God, as we come into that place that we spoke of earlier, that, that oneness and that unity, God, that we will be strengthened on every hand. Lord, as you are able to add to the church, such as should be saved, God, according as you, even as you did in the book of Acts, we thank you right now as we, we move higher in you. We magnify you, God. I pray over the mindsets of each one, God. Hallelujah, that we would be surrendered to you.
I pray over the finances and the resources of your people, God. Lord, that you would give us good, wise stewardship principles. Lord, that we would handle what you've given us that belongs to you for your glory. Let it be done in the name of Jesus. Let there be more than enough in our homes. Let there be more than enough in the ministry. Let there be more than enough, Lord, that we're able to share. Hallelujah. Not hoarded unto ourselves. Lord, we give you praise right now. In Jesus' name, amen.